Welcome to Credits Due, the podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I'm Ben Cron, and joining me today is Tyler Owen. Starting a new SpongeBob ASMR channel. <laughs> and Neil Potter. And I'm co hosting on that channel. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> 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 <Wow>. Tune in. <laughs> Can't wait. You can make so much money. Oh yeah. Think uh, of the meme potential. <laughs> you guys are dressed up as SpongeBob as well. Both SpongeBob's. Yep. Both SpongeBob too. Yeah. Yep. Um. Today on the show, guys, uh, we're gonna talk. Uh, we are on part six on our series on Harrison Ford. Um, and we're going to talk about the 1991 movie regarding Henry. It is directed by Mike Nichols. It is written by one Jeffrey Abrams. It stars Harrison Ford and Annette Bening. Um, but as always, we'll start off with some film trivia on the movie, then do some box office, then we'll dive into our full spoiler-filled discussion on regarding Henry, and end, as we always do, with some final thoughts on Harrison Ford and some recommendations. So, Tyler, why don't you kick this off with some film trivia? I'd love to. Every episode, I put together four pieces of trivia about our main film, but one of them I have made up completely, and you guys have to figure out which one it is. So, with number one, we'll start... According to John Leguizamo in his autobiography, he received hate mail from angry Harrison Ford fans because his character is the one who shoots Henry. Number two, Henry's mistress Linda was a last-minute addition added only two days before filming wrapped. Number three, seven years after writing and producing regarding Henry, J.J. Abrams named his first child Henry. And number four, Roger Ebert gave the film three and a half stars, saying, The lead performance by Harrison Ford must have been a a delicate balancing act, since at every point he must seem both plausible as a childlike victim of brain injury and a competent, loving husband and father. Ford's taciturn and irreverent acting style is well suited to the challenge. All right. Neil, why don't you pick the... (laughs) Neil, why don't you pick the fake first? Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh boy I uh, oh, I'm gonna go with the last one you said <laughs> about Harrison's Ford acting style at being the fake I, I agree with him but I'm saying it's fake <laughs> <laughs> alright Ben um oh god I want to go with with Linda being a last minute addition so uh <laughs> So yeah, that's all. I'll go with uh, the mistress being the last minute edition. All right. Well, we'll start from the top and work our way down. According to John Leguizamo in his autobiography, he received hate mail from angry Harrison Ford fans because his character shoots Henry, and that is true. Which I, <laughs> I, think, I feel like it's telling. We haven't changed. We're just the same. Both- you, you both just expected that to be true. <laughs> that Harrison Ford's fans would be capable of doing such a thing. Uh, yeah, no, they were, um, and they did. 
Uh, <laughs> number two, Henry's mistress, Linda, was a last-minute addition added only two days before filming wrapped. That is a fact. Yes, Ooh. she uh, apparently was added in very quickly, and I don't... Uh, I have a hard time remembering uh, where in the film she appears but of course there are plenty of instances where you know filming is done out of order so even though it, they only had two days with her to film uh there could be scenes early on in the movie that she's in just because they were filmed last as kind of a way to uh, shoehorn her in um but yeah that was I mean, surprising she's only to me in like four scenes so yeah yeah and I think exactly all within the confines of the law practice office <laughs> uh yeah. she does go to the ritz carlton at the end oh that's right that's right mm-hmm. yeah but that f- seems very easy to have done as like a pickup shot too yeah but like okay <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to that we'll talk about her later <laughs> yeah yeah uh number three seven years after writing and producing regarding henry jj abrams named his first child henry yes that is true though i don't know <laughs> if uh it was after the character he wrote or not but that is true which means that Neil, you're right. Yes. Uh, Roger Ebert did not give this film three and a half stars, uh, and he was not very uh, <laughs> praising of Harrison Ford's performance. Uh, he gave it two stars, and the quote that I uh, read was actually from uh, adapted from a quote that he gave about his previous film, Presumed Innocent, which we should note on this show, we we talk about our main actors' films in chronological order, but we skip some and we don't bother to mention them because we're lazy and (laughs) don't want to do that. um, But yeah, he was in Presumed Innocent in 1990, where he also plays a lawyer. Um, And yeah, so he he said about Harrison Harrison Ford's performance in that movie that it must have been a delicate balancing act since at every point he must seem plausible both as a killer and as an innocent man for its taciturn and undemonstrative acting style is well suited to the challenge. Uh, But for this film, he said that for much of the film, Henry is an attractive, likable, simple-minded, and childlike character. But exactly how simple-minded? The simple. <laughs> the movie seems to treat his mental acuity as a matter of convenience. He is childlike enough to say embarrassing things in public, but clever enough to know what's really going on and to outsmart his old law colleagues. A pattern emerges. We begin to notice after a while that in any given scene, Henry will possess the necessary mental development to deliver the punchline. He isn't a character. He's an act. And the wife and daughter are his props. Oh, Burn. Boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Big yep. So, uh, yeah, there you have it. Well, sweet. Well, after that trivia, we're going to get into some box office news regarding Henry. Came out in 1991, July 12th, to be exact. It looks like it only had a domestic opening uh, because worldwide the revenue is exactly the same. So uh, it had a budget of $25 million and domestically has brought uh, had a domestic opening of $6.1 million dollars. All time forty three million dollars, almost on the button. Uh, yeah. So, however, uh, what I'd also like to do is bring up other movies from nineteen ninety one that it was competing against, and one that came out relatively close to this. About ooh, like 
uh, two weeks before was Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> and it also had to compete with things, movies uh, such as Silence of the Lambs, Beauty and the Beast, Thelma and Luis, Point Break, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and, of course, Boys in the Hood. So, uh, a stacked summer. It just keeps on going. So, I mean, it, it had a tough road. And, for instance, Terminator 2 uh, made like $30 million like <laughs> over its lifetime. And $31 million, it had a domestic opening. So, um, But it was it's a big action movie. Probably, some would say, the greatest action movie. Um, and, Ooh. and, you know... Uh, so, I mean, that's that. Um, one thing I'd like to touch on um, around this topic is who this kind of is targeting its audience, because maybe I'm forgetting how like hardcore 1991 was. But like this is a pretty, I would say, feel good movie for the most part, but is still a PG-13 13 does drop an f-bomb and someone is just shown getting shot in the head so it's like obviously (laughs) driven towards adults but it's like this could have easily been like a disney movie where they just didn't they just cut away to a gunshot and like you didn't know what happened to him or whatever like that like i feel i find this this is is kind of bizarre it's like the lifetime original movies right like it's it's a feel good movie because like he's an evil person at the beginning. He gets shot twice and then he like (laughs) forgets literally everything. And then he turns out to be a good person. Like, like I think a lot of, there's a lot of like Midwest adults, parents probably that eat this shit up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like, I think that part of the that edge of the movie is the fact that uh, Harrison Ford is in it like that's maybe, you know, a a small expectation on the part of of audience like film uh, film goers where knowing Harrison Ford, they expect it to be a little bit edgier than just your like feel good romance or something like that. Okay, yeah, it, it was it did feel like the tone of this movie was all over the place. Right. I mean, oh, Harrison yeah. Ford was John Book for crying out loud. <laughs> so coming back to this, you'd expect some kind of edge. I understand that completely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I was listening to a podcast called Binge Mode. I've talked about it on this ep- on mm-hmm. this podcast before, but they're covering Star Wars movies um, right now. And... Uh, I don't even know what they were talking about, but they brought up witness in a endearing way. And I was okay. just like, "Whoa, this is wild. <laughs> just, <laughs> I've just found two people that like that movie. <laughs> yeah. The, the we're in this like weird Harrison Ford career in timeline where like, there's just a lot of 80s schlock going on you know it's just these movies are hard to separate from the time period that they were made in like there's so many just like tropes and cliches and weird choices of like how scenes are filmed that i it's just like the the emotion of any one particular scene 
I feel like can be interpreted in like a half dozen different ways depending on who's watching. Like it, they mm-hmm. do a very poor job of like guiding you towards like what is the emotional impact you're supposed to be feeling. Mm. Right. Right. Yeah. This is also we're kind of like it's weird. Just the movies that we decided to pick to discuss is we're kind of we've done three movies in a row where it's kind of like it's Harrison Ford like probably uh, either it's studios that are putting him in these like kind of rom-com like or like romantic drama like type of movies or maybe it was his decision on purpose to like kind of flex muscles that he's not using in like the Star Wars you know like the Mm -hmm dude action movies um that he's more known for and he is much better in (laughs) um but yeah like the next three movies we're gonna do is are probably are along the lines of the movies that i think most people know harrison ford from right uh right and it's just it's funny that they're kind of um they're kind of we're talking to the about them back to back because i think these the last three movies we did um witness a working girl and then this regarding henry i don't think they're good necessarily good harrison ford performances and i think that for this movie i i don't know if and a different actor could have elevated this performance or if it was just just a bad movie. I mean, mm-hmm. it's almost like a flip of the coin, you know? Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, do you think that he was actively avoiding some of the his, like, earlier type of roles? Like, do you, do you think he was purposefully picking these types of roles to like get away from that and then as we're gonna find out you know in the next few films that we watch like is like oh shit i should just go back to doing that like it kind of feels that way it does feel like that i feel like it's like the people who like um ed norton or someone who didn't want to get peg holed in the marvel cinematic universe of getting only known for like this one character i feel like this is like the same type of thing yeah, except people like Ed Norton are like totally vindicated in doing that because they're good <laughs> actors in like lots of different genres, <laughs> and they went on to like do good things afterwards. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, not to like rag on Harrison Ford, I, I I love him from all the like a lot of the previous films we've watched: Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Blade Runner. Like he does an incredible job in those roles. But man, there's just so especially in regarding Henry, I feel like this it really highlights how poor of a job he does at playing like a, dr- a truly dramatic role, especially mm-hmm. one that is in like problematic subject matter, like brain damage. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like we should just go over the general plot of this film because it is pretty bonkers. Yeah. Right. Let's, uh, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk, uh, let's kind of break this movie down into four parts. Okay. We'll do the the lawyer part uh, pre pre gunshot, mm-hmm. and then we'll do the gunshot because I think we're gonna talk about that scene a lot. <laughs> and then we'll do like the physical therapy, and then like him back at home. 
So, like, this movie starts off, uh, it's cold open, and he's giving his, like, closing statements in a trial room, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Uh, he is just the, he has his slipped back hair, he's wearing a suit, he's, like, oh. just the worst type of lawyer. Hell yeah. And, and then <laughs> dunks on this old defenseless bitch. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love the shot because uh, like you don't know what's happening. You don't know like what I think they almost try to take a turn in that because he's talking about a hospital and you're like okay who is he is he defending the old couple or is he defending the hospital but then he just like starts he starts he turns to obviously he's he is a defense lawyer uh for the hospital mm-hmm. and i love just the, the the two old people are just like the nicest looking like they look like everyone's <laughs> yeah. grandparents yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so smug and happy about like raking them over the coals. <laughs> it's it's cartoonish too. Like I yeah. think at one point he's just like, "How can we really know that it wasn't his fault that he's fucked up?" Like that yeah. that's basically mm-hmm. what he's saying. Like it just man. Oh yeah, it, and he's like, "This guy's an alcoholic. Like yeah. how can we trust him?" Yeah, exactly. And man, not that that wouldn't happen in the courtroom, but Jesus, it's like, it's kind of hard watching Harrison Ford deliver that line because it's just like, <laughs> yeah. whoa, dude. <laughs> and then it cuts. Uh, so like um, he wins the case. Everyone cheers. Um, the old lady looks <laughs> super <cheers>. sad. <laughs> Everyone, all the like, not everyone cheers. Like, the, there's the there's two people in that room that are not cheering. <laughs> well, I would assume that you know the jury and the judge weren't cheering, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, they do. Those that old couple has some great reaction shots of just mm-hmm. them just looking sad as fuck. <laughs> And then it cuts to him on a payphone, like bitching about his table, like his kitchen table that he just got, yeah. <laughs> which is a uh, pretty hilarious. Yeah, it's all- he he, hang- <laughs> he he hangs up on the line. It looks like a goddamn turtle. <laughs> <laughs> and when they show the table, it does look like a turtle. Uh, I was it like, sure oh, does. yeah, you're right. It really does look like a turtle. <laughs> looks great. <laughs> um, so they do a good job of making this character like he's a sleazeball he's a total sleazeball he's like um, overly sleazeball though oh yeah very cartoonish <laughs> like lawyer like evil lawyer yeah um, yeah i think that's really the the film's first mistake i feel like is that this the the approach to setting him up as this like very eccentrically bad lawyer is just like it really undercuts the emotional impact of like what he goes through because you're just like, this should be kind of a tragic story. Like it really should be like someone loses their like memories of their wife and daughter. And like, but when he gets shot, you're just like, yeah, he kind of deserved it. Like (laughs) he's kind of an asshole guy did not have a lot of karma banked for, no for this. Um, I thought a lot. Oh, first of all, we should say 
Harrison Ford plays Henry Turner in this movie. Um, all right name, but not the best. Not the best Harrison Ford name we've had no. so far. No. Yeah, we should, it's by no the end, we John should rank Book. him. <laughs> yes, it's no John Book. It's, it's a little on the nose of him having, like, a character turn to John, Henry Turner. Oh, oh I like it. All right. J.J. Like Abrams, it, but, you think yeah. you're so fucking smart. <laughs> Jeffrey Abrams. <laughs> Jeffrey Abrams. Um, so I thought a lot about uh, the Julianne Moore movie that we discussed on the show, uh, Still Alice, mm. which is kind of the same i think it's the same genre of this movie Mm -hmm. in like something terrible happens to a parent and then their whole their family has to like you know help them through it uh um still alice kind of they don't go as far into like this person is a a shitty person Mm -hmm. but they kind of have like the it's a depiction of a family that is kind of like they're not as close as they should be as a family right mm-hmm. and this like the love of their mother like brings them all together to like for support right mm-hmm. and th- yeah this one it's it does not it doesn't do a good job of showing that like he is a good parent like he is uh he's a shitty parent um and a shitty human being and Mm -hmm. this is and since he loses his memory he he never makes that turn like it's almost like He's literally just a different character by the end. Like, yes. it's, <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. I I think the part, <laughs> the part of this whole thing that like frustrates me is that there there is the potential for a good movie here, and it felt like at every turn they were making the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I'll, here I'll I'll be script doctor for a minute and say I wish this movie's main character was his wife. I wish that she I wish that she at the beginning of the movie is struggling with like thoughts of infidelity, which we kind of get a sense for at the end when it's revealed that kind of stuff. (laughs) But like she should be she should be like in this kind of loveless marriage with this asshole of a husband who's changed since when she met him. And then she, she should, after this happens to him and his personality changes and he's a different person, she should be like racked with guilt over like, you know, thinking that she would leave him or that like, is this, can I love him now? Because he's like, not really even the same person I married or the person I, you know, came to no longer love. Like I thought her, the, the potential for her story was so much more interesting than his because he like, he, he's not a character really. He's just like this blank slate, weird mental illness, like character at in the entire rest of the film. Mm-hmm. And so I, if I was so disappointed that she was such a small part of this movie mm-hmm. and her turn of, she is such a like 
wonderful character and someone that you can root for and her turn when it's revealed that she was cheating on him mm-hmm. like that was effective like yes. at least to me right mm-hmm. i agree and half of it is because annette benning is like she she turns in an incredible performance in this movie mm-hmm. and especially during that scene when she's like breaking down crying yeah and it's like yeah She's like, well, oh, it doesn't mean anything. And it's like, why the fuck did you keep all these letters then? Yeah. Well, see, see, that's the that's my big problem I have with like when a writer will use like surprise twist things like that, where they think that the interesting thing is the reveal. Whereas to me, the way more interesting thing is like how is seeing the internal conflict with a character who's withholding information from another character. And we Mm -hmm. could have had that for the whole first half of the movie, but instead they withheld that from the audience so that it could be like a surprise twist. Mm -hmm. And that, I just, I don't think that's as interesting as it would be to have like interpreted all of her actions as someone who's like racked with guilt over cheating on her now like disabled husband. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves though, so let's yeah. back it up and let's get, get to, to John Leguizamo's part. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, um, actually, one thing I'd like to touch on it's like it leads up to that, uh, the, the, the shooting scene is there was two little instances that I thought were kind of bizarre, and I don't remember seeing it towards the end of the movie, but um, as the beginning of the movie plays out. So they go to like he and Annette Benning uh, go to like this, like uh, uh, a corporate ball or gala or something like that. And they, she asks him if he forgot his keys. And then like n- 10 minutes later, when he goes to get cigarettes after they're back from the ball, it's the same scene of him not like wanting for, to forget his keys. And like they make it a really good effort into showing us that. But, like, is that only to show that, oh, he's just going to lose his memory because he forgot or he remembered his keys this time, but now Mm. he's getting shot and now he will forget the key? Was there a scene later on where that was, like, brought up again? Because I feel like that was just a weird move, like, to linger on those scenes just for the sole purpose. I do remember that, but I, I almost wonder if that's just, like, if it was just supposed to be, like, a shortcut of... Uh, telling the audience like, oh, you know, she she does still care for him and his well-being, even though he's kind of an asshole, like she still loves him and like tries to pay attention to things like that, you know, to mm. keep him from, you know, making okay. a mistake like that. I guess that makes Maybe more sense. That's the only thing I can think of. But you're right. They did weirdly <clears throat> make that like a character trait of him early on that he like forgets his keys for some weird reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just should have said uh, to, when the doctor told her that uh, uh, Henry lost his memory, she should have been like, oh, great. Now he's going to always forget his keys. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. weirdly enough, I feel like that wouldn't have been out of place in this movie. There's, <laughs> right, right. There's an insane number of punchlines for this, like, what is supposed to be a like drama about brain damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I gotta give me some of that. Which <laughs> 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 is a weird, like, weird recor- recurring line in this movie. Um, but, okay, so he 
he goes out late at night to get a pack of cigarettes. Um, and when he goes in there, uh, as you said, John Leguizamo is just chilling out. Um, and he reveals that he reveals that he's holding a gun and he's he's stealing, robbing from the place. Um, and then he uh, um, Henry Turner gets shot twice. Yeah. And you know what? You know how this movie, you know, this movie takes place in New York is that this this robber only has to ask this guy once for his wallet before he shoots him twice yeah. and once in the dome. Like, my God, what a ruthless killer. I know. I was like, this is the least realistic part of this movie. I don't know. Like that. Do Does that happen? Like, do people who are sticking up like a corner store actually shoot people in the process i feel like that's yeah. very rare you know <laughs> especially he didn't like reach for anything like right yeah. or yeah. he didn't no. like do anything he was just chilling like he, Jungle- he was just like dude i'm just trying to get some cigarettes and then <laughs> yeah. boom <Bam>. gets shot <laughs> yeah john Lee was almost like fuck this guy in particular yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he he was the audience surrogate. He was like, man, this guy's <laughs> shitty. Um, so ha- uh, I assume that you guys were laughing during the scene like I was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little this, bit. <laughs> this did not work for me. Uh, most of it was because he is just not a likable character Yeah, uh, leading up to this. So I really just didn't care. And then the other thing is... I get it was a small gun, right? And I get that, like, when you get shot, sometimes there's a huge, like, burst of adrenaline that can, mm-hmm. like, keep you keep you going. But when he gets shot the first time, he says something like, he says something like, okay, come on. I know. He's like, <laughs> just give me the cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't stop to think of, like... Of like uh, like a spoof movie where he was like he he keeps getting shot and he's like he keeps saying like okay come on man put the gun down yeah that'd be like <laughs> it might have seen it in Austin Powers maybe or yeah. something like that <laughs> yeah that that sequence was I I was still at a point in the film where I was like I wanted to hope it would be good. Um, so I wasn't like laughing out loud, but I was just like, I kind of just had this more of an expression of like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like <laughs> the, when he gets shot in the head, it's just like, I don't know how realistic that is, but it's comical when compared with what you're used to in movies when people get shot in the head, like mm-hmm. just how seemingly inconsequential it was where uh-huh. it's just like this tiny little spot of blood and then blood dripping down his head and he's like still totally conscious and then like falls over like it yeah, just and he, he falls through the glass door and it almost mm-hmm. seemed like falling through the glass door did more damage to him than the two gunshot wounds <laughs> well and you know i'd almost be willing to 
like I obviously there are a lot of Hollywood movies where being shot is very unrealistic where like you get shot in the chest and you just like immediately die like that's not mm-hmm. how it works right and even or people who like get shot in the head flown in through, through the air and just right, like bl- right. blast through the window <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like even even getting shot in the head like there are many cases of people who survive that or are mm-hmm. completely conscious after the fact so like i can kind of buy that but i think it was the the lack of blood almost that made it seem like you were like wait did did he just get shot in the head or is that just like blood splatter like yeah it was i I guess i guess it was just confusing is the main thing like i i don't it wasn't particularly effective just because i wasn't really sure what was happening right Mm -hmm. i thought the same thing because he got shot again and i Mm -hmm. thought it was just like an like he got shot in a spot that was not in in focus on camera and it was just splattered up onto his forehead yeah yeah that's what i thought it was too and no he was getting shot in the head (laughs) but what what makes this even more dumb is like you so he gets shot in the head and like it's kind of like you're like really did he really get shot in the head and it turns out he did but that's not even what gave him the memory loss the doctor the doctor explaining it in like the next few scenes is like no he pretty much just had like a stroke and that's what did it or something like that (laughs) it it was the the (laughs) other shot to his chest it it, like hit an artery or something and he lost so much blood to his brain that he like had brain damage so that's what you're right yeah i totally (laughs) forgot about that so it like immediately undercuts the severity of getting shot in the fucking head (laughs) with that weird explanation yeah like and and then honestly that part is what made me very confused on what the rest of the movie was going to be because that kind of brain damage when you like lose oxygen to the brain is potentially a lot more serious than just having very localized damage to one part of your brain Mm -hmm. so like then i was like oh are we gonna have like a developmentally disabled adult now yeah. who's like in a, a relationship bell in the butterfly situation yeah and he turns out that book in, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah turns out that is what we get and makes the whole rest of the movie really awkward <laughs> but it's not as yeah. it, it's not as extreme as that like he's he goes through physical therapy pretty quickly so and then it's just his he still he just has memory loss that is it though he only like i mean he he has this like limp and then he like one of his arms like doesn't move like for the entire movie so there is some like residual like physical damage Mm -hmm. but it seems mostly that he recovers pretty quickly and then it's just that he doesn't remember anything that he's just like his hard drive got uh, reformatted. I, yeah. That is not really how I interpreted his performance in this. Like to me, it really felt like it wasn't just his memory that was lost or his personality that changed. Like it really felt like he has now a, a severe like impairment. Like he, mm-hmm. he can't function at the same uh, level of thinking is in a typical adult human. It, he, he seems like a child throughout the yeah. whole rest of the movie, which to me, like 
it made for some interesting character relationship changes between him and his daughter, which I thought were interesting. But who boy, the then romantic stuff between him and his wife felt very problematic because of oh, the yeah. way I interpreted his <laughs> yeah. Um, brain yeah. damage. Yeah. <laughs> like, am I wrong? I, I mean, no. I feel like the movie is trying to present a character who is only just lost their memory and has had a change of personality but mm. that is not the way it felt he acts like a child through yeah most of it like he acts like he's the same age as his daughter yeah or yeah. even or, younger, or younger because he doesn't understand how like he, he doesn't understand simple social constructs you know like it, mm. it just yeah it's very right. strange it's like the movie big when it's like yes. that same type of situation where you're like, yeah. dude, that's a boy in there. Like, or, or the Robin Williams movie, Jack, Jack? you know, like yeah, yeah. it just, I was like, oh no, this is, or, or kind of the relationship between like Forrest Gump and Jenny, you know, it just, right. I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, he does, God, when he, uh, came home and then like went on that walkabout. Oh my God. Just like immediately went to like an adult movie theater. Yeah. And, oh yeah. That was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that's the kind of stuff where it's like, okay, you've obviously lost more than your memory. Like you're looking at the screen, like you've never seen a dick before. Like this is, it's very mm-hmm. off putting and it totally reinforces that, uh, interpretation of he, him having reverted to like a child's state of mind. But that's right. like to that Roger Ebert quote, uh, quote you read, like, but he still he still goes back to his job as a lawyer. Which and why in the ever living fuck would they let him do that? Like, I know. I, I that's d- a whole topic of discussion that I think we <laughs> that can get is it where on. the movie just absolutely lost me. I, I was yeah. whoever from, let him back he, should be fired. <laughs> <laughs> he goes from uh, his daughter teaches him to read, and they only show him reading the like title of a children's book and then yeah. it's You're a lawyer like, again yeah he goes to like his job as a lawyer where he's like reading like pages and pages of legal documents yeah and it's there's like there's some serious shortcuts the, in the editing here or oh, yeah. he's just a like in having some incredible leaps in his recovery mm-hmm. um uh, so but he never he but he does never really use he never l- really loses that, like, acting like a child. Right, right. Well, okay, so there's a whole subplot around their financial situation. And I feel like what they were trying to do with him going back to work was to show it as, like, it, his employer being, like, kind of doing this altruistically. Like, mm-hmm. they know he's not going to be able to function as a lawyer like he used to, but they'll, like, they can afford to keep him on just because of how prestigious he was when he, before his accident, and, like, 
maybe they can, you know, help him out financially by having him still on the books as an employee, you know, mm-hmm. but that they didn't really depict that as the reasoning at all. It kind of just felt like they're like, everybody's like, welcome back. Uh, can't wait yeah. to have you start on your next case. Like, <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah. And that's why he's like mainly re- he's like reading old testimonies from the court case at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. is because he's he's there in the office but he's not actually working mm-hmm. but that character the boss of the whole like firm he like vanishes like halfway through the movie mm-hmm. like you don't really get this that sense of it's like yeah he's helping he's helping them out like this is kind of a way for him to just kind of give them money without right. actually just like cutting a check. Yeah. And cause we had that scene between him and the wife, uh, I can't remember her character's Sarah. name but now, Sarah, um, where she like turns down an offer of help. Mm-hmm. And so it, I guess I, I could see how him like, trying to get him back to work would be the polite way of doing that right but if i were if i were sarah i'd be like no you're not going back to fucking work you're like <laughs> yeah, right. are you kidding me like you can't Imagine even how much cross money the street he spent uh just like that like one hour of him yeah. being away like accidentally right. getting out and buying a ton of shit like yeah. a dog <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he just comes home with a dog <laughs> And no dog supplies. He has like a leash and that's it. No food. No, like nothing. Come yeah, on, what man. What a monster. <laughs> hey, I noticed we, I don't think we've touched on one of my favorite characters in the entire movie. The physical therapist guy. Oh, uh, God. Played by Bill Nunn, who I was super happy to find out was Robbie Robertson from Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy mm-hmm. and <laughs> is incredible. Unfortunately, he passed away. I didn't know that. That's sad, too. Yeah. But he was part very enthusiastically awesome and also a little bit problematic in today's time. <laughs> like, a little bit? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, when he came back at the end, he should have been like, yeah, I actually got fired from that place from because <laughs> yeah. everyone harassment. turned yeah. me in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For yeah. literally years of harassing my female co-workers he's also that like he's he's a good character in the sense of he's kind of a shithead at the beginning but then he comes back and imparts like the morals of the movie to harrison ford yeah but then also there's like the whole like black mentor thing that is like kind of a bad trope but and then of course the his like signature catchphrase of "I gotta give me some of that." I gotta give <laughs> me some of that. He says like oh my five God. times. When Harrison Ford had to deliver that line as like a punchline, it, I felt oh. like I could feel him dying inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I felt a lightsaber the- just go through his <laughs> chest. <laughs> ah, a lightsaber of the black community going straight through his chest. <laughs> <laughs> oh god but, so, um, but yeah, yeah i i liked this character too but uh yeah, you know, yeah. You yeah outside of being him. a little bit uh of a me too hashtag me too kind of guy um he did have like his story towards the end where he kind of revisited henry was really kind of like heartfelt and nice like how he was like 
oh yeah, you think I wanted to just be a physical therapist? Like I was playing football, I was doing that, but my knees are destroyed or whatever. And that he's just doing it because he wants to help people now. Like that was really nice. And like and I he think he talked about how he talked about his relationship with his physical therapist, which like right. mirrored him and Henry's relationship too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was I'm surprised so either he would have gotten fired for the sexual harassment or him just fucking with people's food like he put so much spicy shit in his eggs that one day so, like, what did, like, so he put abuse. in uh, he put in hot sauce it looked like sriracha sauce yeah, but yeah. Then what was the second thing he put in I think, I think red it was like flakes. red pepper yeah. oh okay yeah. <laughs> he's just dumping them in just because he was like, I want to make this asshole not like eggs anymore. <laughs> well, he, it sounded like that's how he made his eggs. Like he just got him. Because uh, what does he call it? What's it's like? Oh, whatever um, his name, the special, whatever. Yeah. His name. I, I think he was. Del- I think it was a deliberate attempt to get him to like have trouble eating it so that he would say something or be vocal yeah 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 oh okay uh yeah his name's bradley (laughs) he's this is the wild thing that this movie does is because they know all their characters are garbage so in the credits they have to say bruce comma harry's partner Jessica, comma, Harry's secretary. Bradley, comma, physical therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they don't expect us to remember the, like, one other major character in the movie's name. <laughs> yeah. I need his relation to him as well. I can't just see his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bradley, I don't know. Oh, physical therapist. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah, that guy, it's yeah. all ringing bells. <laughs> Yeah, but he was like this very – they tried really hard to make him be just this cool guy and he was just like – he. there was a scene – there's a walk and talk scene where uh, – oh my god. It, I think it was the first time he said, I got to give me some of that or whatever. Mm-hmm. A nurse walks by, a very tall blonde nurse and she's in the tightest – like nurse outfit like yeah. it's like some like nasty like, like halloween costume yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like he's like damn love the new costumes or <laughs> love the new uniforms yeah and, it's like, and oh, he shit. just he lingers on the look backs for like eight seconds too. Oh, yeah. it's too long <laughs> oh yeah there's like scenes where he's like walking with henry and then he just like a girl walks by and he just stops in his tracks and just follows her until she's out of, she's like out of eyesight. And it's like, dude, get some chill or something. My God. His, his character is like, he's definitely what I would expect to be the coolest person working at a physical therapy place. Oh, yeah. I, I if you know what I mean? Like, but he's also just very weird, you know, it just, yeah. And I don't know how much of that is the writing versus his acting versus whatever, but a little bit of all the above. Yeah. It, but that relationship was probably the most effective of any in the movie. Like, like there, even though, like I said, I would have much rather focused on the difficulties of this guy and his marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it I found myself having a lot more fun watching him like try to struggle to learn, relearn basic things like how to walk. Oh, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. yeah, most well, definitely. And I can't believe that Annette Benning is almost 
just gone during this I entire know, portion of the right. film. I can't believe that she wasn't, she should have been there like always. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, she's off it, banging Bruce though. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. But didn't that whole affair happen prior to the incident? <laughs> Apparently. According to her. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess. I can't believe her. You never get Bruce's account of it. Yeah. Yeah, he never has to answer for his sins. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let's, so let's get to. <laughs> what the fuck? What are we, 5124? Are you fucking kidding me? How? <laughs> What on earth is happening? <laughs> it's like Discord knows. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, guys? I don't know. I think there's some kind of ghost or ghoul <laughs> messing with us. God, that's funny. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> um, Alright, I was about... Uh, I was about to bring up Linda. So... Uh, on the so after this um, affair is revealed um, between Sarah and Bruce, uh, he he immediately so this is what I found wild about the trivia you gave Tyler, where Linda's character was added um, two days like the last two days of production apparently, and that's because so. He goes, he leaves his house, he leaves Sarah, and he goes back to the office, and then as he's leaving the office, he walks by the Ritz-Carlton, mm-hmm. and he goes in and gets a room. And this has been set up because, like, it was the first the first word he said after the incident was Ritz. And... <laughs> uh, they took it as Ritz crackers and he starts painting all these pa- uh, paintings of the Ritz cracker box. Yeah. <laughs> and Which really, really starts you off interpreting him as being horribly brain damaged. Like, that's where, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That really is where it starts. But then this reveal is that it is, it is his lingering memory of, the Ritz Carlton where him and Linda go and just shag the afternoon away. Mm -hmm. Um, Linda, who I think is one of, she's one of the other lawyers in the firm. And I think she was a partner, right? I think her, Bruce and Henry were all partners. Um, and so Linda shows up and her like first, like actual scene of the movie, um, aside from just a couple of other scenes where she doesn't get many lines. Yeah. She- I mean, there's, there's definitely, uh, even, even though she's not in much of the rest of the movie, like m- Francis and I like totally called the fact that he cheated with her. Like it was, they kind of teed it up pretty clearly. I thought, yeah. Mm. Did they? 
I, I mean, I know that we were like, mm, yeah, they were fucking like definitely <laughs> they, they linger on her face in a few places where mm-hmm. it seems like she's disproportionately concerned about his well-being. And so like, think I think that's kind of what we mm-hmm. clued in on. Mm. Yeah. So she she reveals that not only are they are they fucking, but he was about to leave Sarah to run away with her. Um. And my reaction was, uh, Linda, you never showed up to the fucking hospital. You <laughs> love this guy. He couldn't even show up. Uh, what a yeah, bitch. that was my reaction. <laughs> and then it, it's it also like it's it is an interesting uh, is an interesting twist because it shows just how is like, it though? <laughs> well. It shows how just in disarray their uh, marriage was, but they don't really do anything with it. Like, he never tells Sarah about the affair. He's never just like, he goes back and he's like, like, (laughs) when the second affair is revealed, I was just like, oh, so now... Now they're going to be fine because they both cheated on each other. Oh shit! Yeah, right. you're right. They never. Right. He never actually brings that up. But he's like, he goes back and he's like, "Yo, I forgive you." And then yeah. they like live happily, happily ever after. And it's just kind of like, it's just like, yo, Henry didn't change at all. He's like yeah. a shitty person. <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah, baking it this whole time um yeah uh wild and the whole like i don't know the it's too the ending is just too clean like Mm -hmm. it's it just kind of the resolution is that they just decide to be better like they just decide to leave the city get a smaller house and then like not have their kid go to boarding school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the drama of this movie feels like manufactured in 10 different ways and none of which are the focus and all of which are poorly done. They're mm-hmm. like the, the, um, I, I was interested for a, the good portion of the second, ha- like the, uh, second act of the movie, of the dramatic element of is he going to regain his memory and is he going to like if he does that will that bring him back to his old ways you know like Mm -hmm. that it's kind of that like you know nature versus nurture thing right like are you just the uh like collection of your memories or is there something deeper that you can change but the movie feels like completely uninterested with that question. It doesn't really care at all about whether he recovers his memory or any of that. Like it, they they pretty much they pretty much show v- very quickly that like oh no that we're not we don't care about that like we just we're going to have fun little anecdotes here about how like he doesn't understand things and kind of played off as a joke. Yeah. And and then and then they try to insert this drama of infidelity at the very end with a twist because we weren't told anything about it before that. And it just is like immediately resolved. So like there's no for a movie that is about some very serious subject matter. There's like virtually no dr- dramatic tension here whatsoever. Mm-mm. 
It would have been really funny if he, right when he walked into uh, the the hotel room at the Ritz Carlton, that he just got all of his memories back. Like he, <laughs> like he remembered that room so well that he yeah. was just like, it was like instantaneous. <laughs> Um, that would have been a different movie. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, hey, Linda's hot. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, they run off together some... and they're happily ever after. <laughs> but never, never, never marry the person. Never marry your mistress, you know, because uh-huh. like they're going to they cheated on someone before like with you so who they're gonna cheat on someone again you know right yeah that's the the timeless quandary yeah (laughs) the timeless quandary (laughs) (laughs) uh right, let's wrap this up um and or actually do you want to talk about the daughter real quick mainly Neil Uh, uh, do you want (laughs) to How is I'm this glad child actor? you asked. I'm glad you asked because this child actor was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only movie she's in, by the way. Oh, really? It yes. shows. That <laughs> would <laughs> <laughs> be a little cruel. But no, she is wooden. There's absolutely nothing going on. <laughs> Great. I, I thought I actually kind of liked her. I thought she did a pretty good job of playing the like quiet you know, uh, quiet child of an overbearing parent, uh, pretty accurately. Uh, yeah. I don't, and I thought that the, the moment, the few moments that they had together were kind of touching after he, uh, had, had his incident where like at the, the breakfast table, I thought was like the one decent punchline in the whole movie that like, it's the kind of joke that works in a drama, like where she spills her drink and he's like, oh, that's OK. I do that all the time. See? And he like knocks over his drink. Like, I thought that was pretty touching. And mm. like the confusion on her face was pretty great. Yeah. Uh, and, and the whole family, actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to talk about that nanny who just let that guy walk out the door. Oh, you man. kidding me? What no, a it's J.J. Abrams. Yeah, it J. J. was J.J. Abrams, Abrams did it because he was That's the grocery a, delivery guy. And then he just watched him. He watched God, Harrison he, Ford just walk out the door. He looked like he was 13 years old. <laughs> <laughs> was he 13? <laughs> Pretty oh. damn close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get to final thoughts. Um, for every movie, we give Harrison Ford a rating of one to five Harrisons. On how we thought, uh, how we thought his performance was in this movie. So, um, I'll, uh, Neil, why don't you start us <laughs> off with your final thoughts? <laughs> yeah, sure. Just start to say about everyone's name and then go to mine. That's okay, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> you are gonna say ben never mind. Ty- <laughs> Neil. Uh, okay. Well, uh, final thoughts. Um, <laughs> uh, Kind of as Tyler said earlier, there could have been something here. I think if we followed Benning's character, uh, I think it would have been a better served movie. However, that's not what we got. We got some weird humor, some weird things to think about uh, during his stage of uh, memory loss and him relearning everything. Um, It it 
it didn't age very well. Um, Harrison Ford is one of the weaker links in this whole movie, sadly. <laughs> um, it, but like Annette Benning, I think she does a good job for kind of what she, what they had going with her. Like she actually had like the most emotion and things. I think like also the Bradley, the physical therapist, like he, he had some level levity. He had some problematic things, but overall, I think was you know he was fun to watch at least. Uh, but I, I personally don't think like this type of thing works for me personally in a movie, like having, like doing the child as an adult type thing, like relearning, like, I don't know. It just doesn't mesh well with what I'm interested in, like liking or interested in or anything like that. I'm going to probably give it one and a half, uh, Harrison's out of five. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> uh, Tyler, what about you? Yeah, um, this is a it's a hard one to navigate. I I think it's a bad movie, um, and I don't I don't think I'd recommend it. But at the same time, I don't necessarily think that it's Harrison Ford's performance that's the problematic part. I think that I think he. It's possible that he's misinterpreting the script and is playing it too childlike, but I actually have a bigger problem with the way that all the other characters in the movie are reacting to him. And it's like they don't, it's like they're not recognizing that he's incapable of doing all these things. Like they're almost treating, they're basically just treating him like, uh, you know, someone who's recovering from physical therapy and does not have a serious brain trauma right like there's there's the sequence where like they're worried about him getting out of the house but then almost immediately after that they're like letting him go back to work which seems just as dangerous like who is babysitting him at work right like it, there's there's no real rhyme or reason to the like the state of his mind it, it just kind of i like that quote from roger ebert like it just kind of seems to suit whatever is needed at the moment of the film like that's how smart and how you know damaged he is so i i don't i don't think his performance is problematic but i think it's the writing that's problematic so i'm gonna give this um yeah, one and a half Harrisons. I think that's pretty pretty accurate. Not not really worth watching, but it's not an absolute train wreck either. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I uh, uh, you guys are generous. Uh, I'm gonna give this one Harrison. Uh, I think, yeah, maybe it's the writing and just the overall story that is the actual problem of this movie but um like i i went away enjoying almost every performance in this movie over uh over harrison ford um i just did not i just did not enjoy his performance uh at all and yeah, the the writing didn't help. The just movie in general didn't help. I think the one saving grace for this movie is Annette Benning. I think she's pretty incredible in this movie. But the problem is that you can 
go. There's so many other movies that you can watch in that Benning in that are just yeah. far better. So <laughs> yeah. this is pretty far down the list for even her. So, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's pretty forgettable. Um, it it is it is a weird moment in in uh, Harrison Ford's career. That's for sure. But uh, so yeah. Uh, one Harrison for me. Um, all right, let's get to recommendations, guys. Uh, Neil, why don't you start us off with your recommendation? Sure. Uh, mine is a television series called Shit's Creek. Um, it's I now I my wife has been watching it like all the way through super fast, and I've only caught like probably a season's worth of episodes, and she's probably in season three or four right now. But like. Anytime I'm dropping in on it, it is it's it's very funny. Um, it's it, the the funny things about it are like it's awkwardness level. Like it's kind of got that um, uh, curb your enthusiasm type thing where he just puts himself in these super awkward situations and like he has to get uh, work its way out of him. And it revolves around Eugene Levy, his son. Uh, his, his actual son too, uh, <laughs> Daniel Levy, uh, and it's got Catherine O'Hara and Annie Murphy uh, as like the main family, and then the like the main guy who's like working against them is Chris Elliott, and if you don't know him, like he's the guy who's the weird hand in uh, <laughs> um shit now i lost uh, my train it's scary movie two yes in the house where he's like my germs he's like oh, that guy yeah he just played so it's essentially eugene levy's family like essentially buys something with or he, like they wind up in this town this guy's town and chris elliott he's like the the mayor of this town but like they came from like a ton of money and now have like nothing but they still live like they have like a ton of money in this shitty motel type thing uh you just like it's kind of like all the episodes are kind of like self-contained episodes and it's just that's why it's been so easy to kind of just jump into and watch here and there is that like everything within the episode doesn't really happen outside of anything and i have to give props because Catherine o'hara and dan levy are fucking incredible in this show like I, Catherine O'Hare is doing this really super like I'm the most affluent person like she goes to bed wearing like more jewelry than like anything and it's and just the way she carries herself and talks in the show is hilarious and Dan Levy is just phenomenal like I don't know like he is probably the standout in it just like his comedic timing and like the, everything that's happening around his characters fantastic um, I think it's on Amazon Prime, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you can watch it there. Um, but I, that's Shit's Creek. If you haven't uh, heard of it, I would check it out. It's funny. Very it's cool. kind of like a, it's a sitcom-y type show, too. So nice. Yeah, everyone has been raving about this show for um, a while. It, it's it's not an Amazon show, right? They just are streaming no. it? No. Yeah, they just have streaming yeah. rights, too. Yeah, they must have got gone streaming rights maybe two years ago, and that must be how everyone has been finding it because it's also like how many seasons is it? I think it's five right yeah. now. Jeez. It's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're in they're wor- They're in the midst of six right now. Uh, wild. Yeah. I have not given it a try. I probably should. It's 
probably right up my alley mm-hmm. or right up my creek or something. <laughs> uh, Tyler, uh, what's your recommendation? All right, guys. So uh, I am a big fan of just big, dumb action movies, Marvel fair, all that good stuff. And uh, I've got one of those to recommend. I uh, recently rented, finally, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, Now, this is the sequel to the American Godzilla from, I think, 2014, maybe? Um, It's been a little while. But uh, that movie was notorious for, like really barely showing Godzilla and having it like kind of obscured until the very end where we finally get the big fight. Uh, this movie uh, dispenses with all of that bullshit and just shows you Godzilla, basically the whole movie. Um, this is, and honestly, there might be too many monsters in this movie. <laughs> it's like every major uh, player from like classic Godzilla is in this movie. Mothra, Rodan. Um, God, there's just King Ghidorah. Uh, yeah, there's so many of them. It, there, it's, but it's just dumb fun like the the writing is pretty bad but there's some like crazy shit that kind of just makes up for it like we find we we are introduced to like uh, sorry if this is kind of a spoiler but it's just a dumb Godzilla movie we were introduced to like basically um Atlantis where there's Whoa. a massive like radiation uh like origin of radiation where Godzilla goes to like recover after a fight. It's like, there's fucking crazy, like Atlantis, Atlantis pyramids that he sleeps inside of and like heals with radiation under the ocean. It's fucking, (laughs) it's bonkers and awesome. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I won't go any further than that, but like, basically it's just like all the monsters are just fighting and it's kind of awesome. Um, the special effects are bonkers and stupid and cool all at the same time. Um, there a lot of people online are uh, online have shit on this movie for being like far inferior to the the previous Godzilla installment but honestly they're building out this like dumb monster universe now where like the next movie is going to be Kong versus Godzilla and it's going to be the Kong from um Kong Skull Island that came out just a couple years ago and that movie was pretty bad um, but hell if I won't go see that or at least rent it you know like it just know they're it. just fun um, I think that uh, the a couple standout actors in this are um, Kyle Chandler is basically the main character and then um, oh gosh I forget her name but the girl who plays Eleven from Stranger Things is in it Oh, Millie Bobby Brown. Yes, and they're both pretty good. Um, I mean, you're not there for the human characters, so I guess really it doesn't matter in the end. But they're, they're they put in put in a decent effort, you know. Um, so yeah, if you if you just enjoy sometimes watching like Pacific Rim or some bullshit like that, definitely check out Godzilla King of the Monsters. It's it's worth a watch. Cool, very cool. Uh, I would like to recommend. The TV show Watchmen. Uh, this is the new show on HBO. Um, it uh, it's about halfway through its run. Um, I've seen four episodes, I think. And my God, guys, this this show 
is next level. It is so good. Uh, it's of course it's created by Damon Lindelof. It's a sequel of sorts to the graphic novel um, that came out in like the eighties, I think. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It stars Regina King, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, and just a bunch of other uh, Jeremy Irons, isn't it? A bunch of just like incredible like kind of character actors fill out this pretty uh large cast and um it is i just love the world that he has built for this show um i love the characters uh tim blake nelson plays uh this character called looking glass and it is a guy who wears basically a a reflective mask. So like there's a lot of jokes where characters will just like stare at his face and then they'll start like touching up their hair as if they're (laughs) looking in a mirror. Um, It is so, I just can't, I'm just full on obsessed with this show right now. Um, I can't like stop thinking about it. I've only heard good things. Sorry? (laughs) I've only heard good things. Oh yeah, yeah. You got to you got to watch it. Yeah, um, I've I've been watching it as well, and I I wholeheartedly agree with everything you've said. Like this <laughs> this show in in premise sounds like an absurd and terrible idea, but yep. then you wa- <laughs> and, and even watching the trailers for it, I was not sold at all. I like my only real like expectation of any level of quality was just that Damon Lindelof was handling it because I had just recently finished watching the leftovers and absolutely loved the characters in that and most of the writing. So that's why I, that's really the reason why I started watching it. It wasn't because I had some like strong affinity for Watchmen or have thought the trailers looked particularly good, but like, Holy hell does this just like it picks up like just running full speed and it never lets up like this is oh yeah bonkers shit (laughs) i mean they it is insane to me how little they care of whether or not the audience has read the graphic novel even though Mm. it's like practically necessary like they don't basically they're just like yeah sorry if you have if you don't understand what's going on then just don't watch because this isn't for you like they don't they're not taking time really to like explain the previous characters from the 80s or any of the how why any of that really matters even though it seems to matter quite a lot um Mm -hmm. but yeah it is it's top notch i am i i'm legitimately like not wanting to talk too much about this because i have an episode waiting to watch after we get done with this so (laughs) yeah yeah And, and to that i think uh i think you almost have to read the book mm-hmm. before you watch this movie. I, th- I, I think it is necessary. Yeah. That's um, what I mean. Just, but they don't, yeah. they don't try to, yeah, they don't tell you that or try to catch you, like give you, uh, like a catch up on what happened, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. There is a few scenes where they'll like explain, um, the book or explain parts of like the book and those characters. Mm-hmm. So like, if you haven't, if you are unfamiliar with Watchmen, 
like they kind of give you the information that you absolutely need to know or remind you of it. Mm-hmm. But there's but a, so it, much. It, it, they do that in there's, a way where like it, if you hadn't read it though, you're going to be like, well, that sounds fucking stupid. You know, like I, <laughs> kind, yeah. kind of yeah. right. Like, <laughs> But there's so much on, there's so much small things on screen that if you've read the books and if you know yeah. those characters, it is just so much more rewarding. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. But, and it's so like, so the first two episodes have started off with like a real, a real world event and two very minor changes too. Like, it's not like the Vietnam War and Dr. Manhattan is like 100 feet tall, like in right. the comics. It's like a real world event that ties into the show. And I just absolutely love how this show is. It's wacky. It has people dressed up in costumes and just doing superhero shit. But then and then there's like squids falling from the sky (laughs) and like there's like hover. There's like like planes that are hovering in the like UFOs almost. And this uh, this show is just at 11 constantly in all the weird weird shit. But then they're also like they're covering white supremacists and p- police brutality and like how it's 2019 and we still have a lot of racists in this country. Like they're covering some real shit and it is it's so perfectly on brand for what the original Watchmen book was. Yeah. Right. That's the most impressive part is that the tone of it, even though it's in a completely different medium, like it feels so like respectful of that source material. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say is the music is done by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who you will know, of course, from Nine Inch Nails. They did. They've done like a lot of movie scores. Uh, most notably the social network, but they, this is like, uh, this is the, I think the best score that they've ever done. It is, it has just parts of kind of everything. It has these weird, like subdued, like disturbing tracks. And then there's some tracks that are just like a full on rock song. Mm -hmm. And it is, it gives this show a perfect tone that I've like you rarely ever like feel in a in a, a TV show, like let alone a superhero movie, right? Mm-hmm. And it is uh, they've released so the score is coming out in three volumes. They've released the first volume of like twelve tracks, I think. Um, you can find it on Spotify or probably like any streaming service. But my God, it is that music is incredible. Yeah. And it's so I'm not even a fan of Nine Inch Nails and the soundtrack is just like badass. I love it. <laughs> yeah. My God, it's so good. Uh so that's Watchmen. I cannot wait to watch more of the show. I'm really looking forward to 
uh, where this season goes because there's it's so weird, but like th- there's so much ground that they still have left to cover in like the five episodes they have left, and I I'm interested to see how long this show runs too. Mm-hmm. Like we could have like we could still be watching Watchmen in like ten years. You know, oh, that's Alan crazy. Morris going to be pissed. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm pretty sure that they have said in interviews that they plan the first season to be a complete story, but they mm. would be open to more seasons if HBO wanted it. So Dude, they could do like an anthology too. Like, yeah, that would I mean, be could, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who knows? I'm sure they have plans for. Yeah. I'm sure they have some sort of plans for a second season. Um, especially, I think it's getting really good ratings. Like, I think it's performing very well for HBO. I hope so. Um, it deserves it. Yeah. But, um, uh, so yeah, that's Watchmen. Uh, check it out. It's, it is very much worth the time. Uh, even if you wait for, it the first season to end and just binge watch it um uh but definitely put it on your radar and make sure make sure you watch it because my god it's so good uh all right that is it for this episode of credits due uh thank you for joining us thank you for listening in um and i hope you'll join us in two weeks very excited to talk about this movie. I actually don't think I've seen this movie all the way through. So, uh, very excited to actually watch this movie. Of course, we're talking about the fugitive, uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Very excited. Um, very excited for this movie. (laughs) Um, but until then, uh, Tyler, why don't you tell the people where they can get in touch with you? Yeah, you can uh, touch me on Twitter at Tyler Owen. Mm. Oh, you can not do that to <laughs> me on Twitter at Dino Neilman. Uh, and you can listen to my music podcast, uh, Pivotal Tracks, where I interview musicians um, about a song that has inspired them. Uh, so you can check that out at um, any podcast service that you get this show. You should be able to find Pivotal Tracks. And you can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Credits Due Pod. And until our next episode, in two weeks, where we'll be talking about The Fugitive. Uh, once again, thank you for joining us. Uh, and Thank you for listening. And until then, remember as always, I remember gray carpet. I want to go home. <laughs> he remembers gray carpet.